Molly Hemingway is a senior editor at The Federalist and a contributor to Fox News. Previously, she was a columnist for Christianity Today, a senior writer for GetReligion.com, and an editor at Ricochet.com. Her work has appeared in The Wall Street Journal, Los Angeles Times, National Review, First Things, and the Claremont Review of Books. She graduated from the University of Colorado with a bachelor's in economics. Molly was a 2004 Novak Journalism Fellow and a 2014 Lincoln Fellow of the Claremont Institute. Molly and her husband Mark were the spring 2016 Eugene C. Folium Distinguished Fellows in Journalism at Hillsdale College, and Molly is also a mother. So please help me in welcoming Molly Hemingway. Against all sorts of bad things that can happen in the world, 
but you're in an environment where family is kind of denigrated or redefined away from a, like a sense of meaning. And it can take a lot of courage to speak up against some of these things. I was thinking, just talking to some of you about being in college, and I studied economics, and I remember I had this labor, labor and econ teacher. And she said, that's a great idea. So I had a labor and econ professor, and we were supposed to talk about what our career goals were. And I put something in there at the first, and I had a great career as a career woman. But I always knew that I wanted to be a wife and a mother, and I put that in there. And I remember she kind of made fun of me. Like, I didn't understand what career was. But in fact, because I always valued marriage, because I valued being a mother, I made sure that was part of what I was aiming for. And I'm so thankful I did, because far and away the thing that is most valuable to me in my life is my marriage, and I have beautiful children, and it's where I get all of my happiness from, I mean, most of my happiness, I should say. And I actually love my career. I have a great career. I think things are wonderful. But I'm so glad that I devoted so much effort and energy into finding a very good spouse who's quote best husband by far and that we have this wonderful family because if I hadn't put that energy into it I think it might have passed me by and so if that is in your I mean you certainly don't need to be married or have kids to have a happy life you really really don't but if it is part of something that you do think would be important for your life I think you actually have to work at it like you work at getting a degree or getting a getting on the career path that you want to get on you can't just expect that it will happen. And in fact, it really is important. It really, there are Italian truths associated with what happens in a family. Like, you change more of the world by raising kids well than anything else you do. Um, and there's no guarantee that your kids will you know, turn out great. One of mine in particular, well, no, I, <laughs> I, I have great kids, but, um, but the, the, there is this eternal truth associated with it. So even though like you're probably not thinking about it much right now, actually, one of you I met is thinking about it because she's getting more to Sorry, um, but you should you should think about it if it is something that you think is important and you should behave that like with an eye and it really does count. Even if every message you're getting in the world is that it's not important or that um, you know that you should supplement everything to the career. Career is great. It's wonderful. But it's not everything. It's certainly not going to be everything. I don't, it's kind of a weird thing to talk about, but I just, because I have been captured in a room and you know, young people, I felt like I could torment you with that thought. But anyway, um, I'm happy to talk about any number of things. But in fact, I can talk if you don't have questions, but like I said, it would help me if you guys have questions. Yes, ma'am. Like, 
it, I mean, we're still trying, so hopefully that'll work out. Um, I'm so glad we didn't delay it, because if we delayed it, we might not have any. And I am, and it also worked out fine. Like, we were extremely poor when we got married, and living in the, we were pregnant with our second, living in a one-bedroom apartment, which is so stupid. I mean, like, it was so crowded and everything. But, again, I'm glad we did it, because if we'd waited till we had more money, wouldn't have maybe have any. And my dad always said, if you wait until you have money to have kids or get married, you'll never do it. Um, but the other thing is, we found that we became much, my husband's also a journalist, and he and I found that we became much more efficient workers when we had kids. Because we used to be like, I don't know if the muse is hitting me right now, I don't feel like writing. And then once you have a kid, you're like, I have 20 minutes to get 400 words out, and I'm going to do it right now. And then you just do it. And it's funny, like, you do things you didn't think you were capable of doing. Um, but I'm a big fan of the don't plan it. Because also, the more you try and control things, like, if you should have an understanding of your fertility, I wish I understood better when I was younger, like, how it works. Like, I know it's stupid to say it, but like, just understanding what time of the month you're most fertile and what time you're not. You know, that's important knowledge for anyone to have about yourself. But the more you try to control it, I think the less of you to become sometimes. And there might be times when you really need to work hard at figuring those things out, but sometimes just seeing what happens is like a really beautiful thing too. I don't know if that answers Talk about being on Fox News, how that started, and what it's like, and the preparation for a two-minute spot or four-minute spot. Right. So I. When we started The Federalist about four years ago, we needed to get the word out about our publication. And so the easiest way to do it is by appearing on television. So we all just kind of farmed ourselves out and made ourselves available to be on television. And our publisher is at CBS, one of our senior writers is at CNN, and I'm at Fox. But I used to just do all the media. And it is a very weird experience. Like, you all are so beautiful and you're so um, composed. And I'm sure it would not be this way for you, but for me as a writer, I like to think about what I'm going to say and like recraft my words. And this idea that like bright lights are on you and if you mess up, millions of people see it, it was terrifying for me. I remember the first time I was on, I was so nervous that like I walked out of the studio and walked twice into the wrong door trying to just leave. And people were like laughing at me at Fox, like this girl is, is like even more nervous than people normally are. Um, but now I just kind of like have had enough practice that I'm very used to doing it. And you do get a little bit of an idea about what you're going to talk about sometimes, not always. They usually say, we want you to come on and talk about this general topic. So you can kind of think about what you're going to say or what you want to say. And um, I have learned to think of it as like, have this opportunity to be on television, what's the big takeaway I would like to offer people at this moment? So I think less about like, I want to make sure I answer this question exactly right. If they phrase it this way, I want to make sure I answer it exactly right. And now I think instead more like, they generally want to know something in this area. What do I have to say in this area? And it works out pretty well. And it's, um, you know, now I'm on almost every day and it's, Weird to, you know, it's a weird role, but I, um, but I like it too. So weird because you don't think you're so a TV person. Oh, I'm so not a TV person. But then, like, be like, and I just am so used to being someone who just quietly, like, my whole reporter trick is I usually just sit quietly and observe, and people say things in my presence or whatnot. And now I'm on TV, so it's harder to 
do that, I, it's like taking away my big trick, which is to just quietly sit in the corner while people reveal like exciting details. I do hope that some of you are interested in journalism because it's a great field to go into and just communication in general. And there are so many conservative women who need representation on TV or need representation in print. And it's a great service you can provide people who don't have communication skills. Yes, ma'am. Hi, I'm Emma from Virginia. Um, Wait, that's a big state. Oh, Richmond, Virginia? Okay, great. Like it. <laughs> um, so, I'm kind of like you were, like, I am very shy talking in front of people, and being on TV, like you do, would definitely scare me, but I do want to get the message across, like you said. So, what do you think is the biggest advice you would give to young women like us to, like, stay composed and get the right message across? On TV. So that's a great question, and I have a piece of advice, but I wanted to mention how weird it has been to watch these high school students in Parkland who are so media savvy that they are just ready to go the moment this horrible. Like I cannot even imagine I cannot imagine being composed if I lost anyone in my family. Talking to a friend whose husband died, she's my age. And she said it took her, and she is a TV professional, and it took her months to be prepared to be on TV to give one interview about her husband's death. And she's like, these kids are just coming out here right away. I don't, it's so weird, it's like in this generation that you guys are part of, you don't understand how weird it is that you have all this social media and that you have a brand and a persona that you have to craft and manage. It is so weird, but you already have that skill, so I guess it's got an upside and a downside. But what the number one thing that helped me was someone said, you're playing the part of yourself on TV. And if I think of it like acting, it just took away my concern about I'm saying something wrong or I'm not being genuine if I don't answer everything exactly right or exactly to the question. I think of it instead that you are in an, you're in an entertainment field, for better or for worse, but it's also the way that people learn important values or lessons, so it's like, not something that you can just not be in. You have to you have to represent the good, the conservative good on TV. But if I think of it like acting, for some reason that helps me overcome it. And I've heard many people say that. Particularly people who get too into their heads or are too, you know, writers in particular, I think, you like to draft and redraft and really get it perfect. And that can be a huge barrier. You can be a perfectionist. And you shouldn't be a perfectionist, just think of it like I don't know if that helps, but it really does help. Yes, ma'am. Hello, I'm Kelly. I'm from Jersey, New Jersey. I go to school in Tennessee. It's called Sewanee. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so this isn't necessarily a question, but would you be able to talk about when you're raising kids and like the education system that you choose to put them through? Because I'm honestly more concerned about my kids' education than my own. And I just, I feel like that's such a big factor for me in just the way that things are going. How do you see that, in, or how do you see it playing out in the future? What, that is you, what such advice would you give? Such a smart question that I'm impressed that a college student would be thinking that way. Um, <laughs> so my mother is a public school teacher, I went to public schools, and the one thing I know beyond any shadow of a doubt is I would never send my kids to public schools in the area I'm and it's been a weird thing because, you know, my mom's like a, like a teacher union person. And like I said, I went there. She's also a um, really good shot and uh, like the gun. We prefer, but not, so 
all this conversation about like arming teachers. I saw someone say that um, teachers are too emotional to carry guns. I was like, you and Mama, my mother. <laughs> like she makes my kids cry because she'll be like firing on the barman on her property with like no like she'll just be washing the dishes and see something and like lean out the door. <laughs> my kids will like horrified. But anyway, um, but my husband and I send our kids to a classical school. And it's the type of education I wish I, I wish I had received. Last week, my fifth grader's teacher told us that she was so impressed with our daughter because she had memorized Pericles' funeral oration in ninth. But yes, that is very impressive, and I would not be able to do it. Um, it's a great speech, but there is a classical school, so they're taught Latin. They learn, it matches the phase of learning with where you are developmentally. So when you're young, you're like a sponge that can absorb everything. And then as you get older, you learn how to synthesize the information. And then like when you're a teenager and you're ready to fight everybody, they actually like encourage that. You go into argumentation at that age. So rather than, but you kind of learn how to argue in favor of good things as opposed to just fighting the power or whatnot. But it matches with your development and it's this sort of this traditional way of learning. And learning Latin, so you can be really able to learn a lot of different languages easily. And they sort of, there are different classical models, but like at our school, they just learn really good values, sort of like, you know, take the Pericles funeral oration. It's a really good speech that talks about honor and valor and courage. And so, um, <laughs> like I'll talk to family members who are in public schools, and they are really good at learning not to bully, but like, that's it. <laughs> and at our school, that would be like day one. And then you move on. Like, of course you don't bully, but here's how that is about how you treat your fellow. But my husband and I worked really hard at, like he's been on the school board of this school since before he was married. He thought about what kind of education he wanted his kids to receive and we sacrificed mightily to get that kind of education. Like we didn't, we just bought our first house when I'm in my 40s because we, we were putting money into getting them in private school. So some people aren't willing to do that and we just go along with the government school and whatnot, but we didn't want to reprogram our kids all day. All day. They come home and we have to spend hours deprogramming them. Um, although it can be good to go into environments like that while you're still under your parents' roof because you can help them navigate how, they, how what happens when you encounter people who don't share any of your values and how do you live up to what we have taught you about how to treat your fellow man in such an environment. So there, you know, you can do it, but I'm just glad that it is young age that my kids are, that they get to be in this like safe, beautiful learning experience, and I wish that I could like audit classes with them, even though they're, they're great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good that you're thinking
particularly when I was starting this, you know, people would just sort of like ignore me, or they would try and pitch other people, or they just had this idea that if you're an editor, you have to be male, or whatnot. Um, and there were other people, like, actually, do you guys know Ben Sass? He's so he, uh, he actually used to edit a publication called Modern Reformation, and he commissioned me to write a piece that I was not really qualified to write, because there were all these other people who were so much more qualified. And I made that point to him. I was like, why would you have me, like a young 20s person, write this when there's this person, that person, and that person? He was like, because uh, they're all 80, and they're going to die. And then when they die, no one will be there to replace them. I love this about him. And I love that he had this vision about bringing on new talent, new writers, and developing, choosing to work with someone who would be less good because he had a vision of a long term. I love that. Um, that is very rare. And most people would rather take tired old voices and voice her than they can put them on And that hurts women because it is such a big But my number one thing of advice about it is not to worry which is I see so many women who really get burdened by the fact, the reality that there is sexism. And they just like obsess about it and it becomes this defining trait with them. And for me, I'm just kind of like, it's like when I was dating people.
clarity I have about how that is going to be. I have to handle that now. But they put, mostly I'm just like really pleased with how my parents There was never a question that they asked. They were just going to talk to my bus before they were ready. And yeah, so the other thing I think is this thing about because I grew up in this home, we would always kind of frame things in terms of what God would have us do. Why all my views are conservative, but they're not 
necessarily the party line that you've seen in conservative media for a couple years. I get a ton of pushback on set during the commercial break, back in the green room, and it can be hard. But then I like go home and I get like all my reader email, and it's just overwhelming. Like, thank you so much. I've been waiting for someone to say this obvious truth for so long. And you have to have that confidence of knowing that even though all of your peers might mock you or might push you or make fun of you or whatever it is, that you can't let yourself be bullied into into like something you don't believe. Or um, and also understand that there are more important people to impress than the people who might be doing well in DC or New York. Yes. Hi, thank you for speaking with us. Um, my question is, you where are you from? Sorry. Certain people like her have had so many bad experiences with men 
that this is how you like get into this like show feminism. And it just made me be more compassionate toward her rather than take it personal. You know, sometimes people just they get so defensive and so personal without thinking through the blessings that you've been given that make you not angry at men or you know what I mean? Um, so I would just say like try to try to depersonalize it, still have confidence in what you're saying and and you the sharing of your ideas is a gift you're giving people. Like a lot of people have never heard some of the things that you have to share. And they're going to be resistant to you. And they're going to even be confused or hostile. But you're not doing this for your sake necessarily. You're doing it for their sake. Like you want them to have a good life. You want them to learn these important values. So yes, it's hard and they're shy or whatever, but you still should serve your neighbor by serving them good ideas. Yes. Bailey from the University of Wisconsin. Um, I was wondering who you look up to as a role model in your field or in your life in general. Oh, that's a really good question that I should probably think about before answering. Um, I have a, had a lot of really good role models. I'd say first, like I have ones that are very important to me that wouldn't make sense to you, like this guy <coughs> that I'm fishing with, John Dudapolsky, growing up. He was just a beautiful man worked really hard for his family and always studied God's word and I just admired that. He like when I think of saints, I think John Dudikolsky. He just was always kind and really loving. But he's not like a famous person or anything. It's just like I want to live my life like he lived his life. Also, he was abandoned as a child and he was born on December twenty fifth and he always like took these things as like blessings. Like I get to share a birthday with Jesus. You know, like, like you know most people who are born on December twenty fifth are like, it sucks. It's the worst thing in the world. You know, he was the opposite of that. Um, but there are a lot of writers I admire. I would say for me personally I've always admired Peggy Newman and I was working at a place and I got fired and it was humiliating because I'm a really good employee and I worked really hard. But it just wasn't working, so it's actually kind of awesome that this guy fired me. But I mean, I was broke. I had no idea what to do. And I remember that night I was watching The Daily Show, which was not so bad back in the dark ages, 2001 or whatever it's supposed to go to. And Peggy Noonan was on that night. And I looked and I was like, oh, that's right. Like, I always wanted to be Peggy Noonan. Like, it's just like, I, I just remember being in high school and college, reading all her books, and just thinking, like, I want to do that. I want to work with words. And I had come from a business and econ background, and it it was just wonderful. And now, I, you know, I still love reading her. I still love all of that. And I also just I admire the way she's created a career. Uh, were you astounded, as many of the older generation were, Family 
basis or to spouses or other things that give them the courage to fight against it or they want things that like a career so bad that they're willing to put up with bad things. Um, I was talking about not like focusing on bad stuff, but in um, when I was younger, someone, when I was in high school, someone was inappropriate with me in a workplace environment, and I called my dad, who, as I mentioned, he was a pastor, and he came down and he knocked that guy out with one punch. And I loved this about my father. Like, he believed me, he knew that I was like in danger, or, you know, there was a bad situation. And of course, it's like in the era where you don't get sued for that. The guy got fired, you know, even though he was much uh, higher-ranking, you know, professional guy. And I knew that no matter what, if something bad happened, my family would back me up. Like, even if I needed a job, <coughs> you know, I needed a job and it didn't make sense to cause a problem at that point in time. And I think I, I think that is such so good that my parents put this in me because it just breaks my heart to hear some of these stories of women who didn't have the confidence of like telling men not to do stuff or not to know how to get out of a bad situation. Sometimes learning that the sexual interplay is fraught with danger teaches you what you need to know about how to protect yourself. And I'm glad I got that so I could like discern who's a good dude to hang out with and who's not a good dude to hang out with. Um, and, and what was my appropriate level of like advancement in relationship and to manage that. Being a woman, you have so much control over this, but you do have to learn how to handle that power. And I feel like the environment we're in, nobody's learning. I don't even know if, like I hope your parents, your moms or your other women in your life are teaching you how to manage this incredible power. But you have so that it can be a good thing and not a bad thing. I actually, like another thing I'm sad about with being a woman is Learning was actually awesome and really fun, and finding a spouse is really fun, and it should be a positive, great experience. And if it's all like bad and dangerous, and like nobody wants to make a move, and it's just sad. Like it's good to learn about the power you have, learn how to exercise that power honestly and honorably, and you know don't take advantage of men, don't whatever. You know, like, it's all like tricky stuff to learn, but it's so cool to learn it. And I feel like it's become this bad thing for everybody. And that is no fun because, like, as awesome as marriage is, and I love being married and I love my husband, like, you, you're prior to being married, it was a really fun time for you. that dance of, like, figuring out. And it's a it's a good thing and not a bad thing. And I really hope young women can understand that it should be a good thing and that they are in charge of that much more than Don't worry about them. Focus on your own. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, it is so, I cannot imagine how difficult it is to be a young person right now because it's so confusing. Like, I feel like I got to do this in a really ideal time where it wasn't like totally restricted by rules. Like, you must stand at the wall and the dance card will be pulled. You know, like, whatever. It wasn't like that, but there were enough general rules or like general guidance that you kind of knew what everybody's role was and like how to, how to indicate that you're willing to go further or whatever, you know. And now it's like, oh my gosh, 
the, the retroactive nature of this, like the idea that you could have a totally voluntary consensual relationship with someone and then two years later have one of those people go, actually, I'm a stranger, and have it be taken seriously. I mean, that is so chilling to proper things. And like, let's say you're at a bar and you go out and you actually sort of think that guy is cute and then like the more you talk to him, you're like, no, I don't like that. That's a totally normal, totally fine thing. We like lost the vocabulary for how to manage this. We've lost the like guidance for how to manage it. So instead you get these like really warm things of like, yeah, I'll take your drink. Oh, I'm offended. Like I feel oppressed. Well, no, you don't feel oppressed. You just don't like him. And it's okay. You know, like you don't taking a drink does not mean you have to go home with someone. And that's fine. Pretty much. You just <laughs> So it's just it's difficult and as difficult as it is for you, just imagine how difficult it is for God. Like 
being totally open and honest about what we were trying to do. But anyway, um, my point is being, whatever, that, whatever the sex culture on campus is, it is messed up. And if you can't validate that or find some form of shared agreement from which to then say, here's my idea for how we work on these problems, which is you know, something about a healthier sexual ethic that understands why people have sex and why they want to have sex and why they, what are the best ways to have sex and what are ways to avoid the downsides of sex.
it is such an important thing to give to campuses where groupthink and stifling speech are the order of the day. And if you can't do it there, you're not going to do it in your own family. You're not going to do it when you raise kids. So might as well get cracking on trying it now. Yes, ma'am. <laughs>
He's always like, get on out there. You're doing a great job. And really, I'm like, I think I can really manage this pub's perfect if I'm home. Um, so I would love to have a little bit more home life. And that's what I'm trying to achieve now. Because like I said, career is awesome. And it really is. And I love my career. I love everything that I get to do. But my real joy comes from my family and time with my, my friends and my family. And so I don't want to sacrifice that just because I have all these opportunities for us. I'm Rachel Ayers, I'm from Palm Beach, but I'm a school in Orlando. You go to, or you went to University of Boulder, Colorado. Was it at Boulder or Denver? I was in Denver. It was at very little, because I know Boulder's like so, so little. Did that have to do your education so college? My husband went to University of Oregon, and we do think, and that's what I was mentioning about sometimes schooling. It's good to have your kids go to a hostile environment while they still live with you because it can, you can help like manage that process. My husband and I absolutely believe that we came out of our liberal schools the way we did because we went to liberal schools. Like if we'd gone to a conservative school, we might have rebelled against that or something. And instead, we were just day in and day out. We we're like, what the heck are these people talking about? You know, and then like learning how to. I remember I once did an assignment in a political science class where I was basically told I had to write a certain thing, and I responded sarcastically, like I wrote my essay sarcastically, pretending to agree with it, and I and I got an F, but she let me do it. So generous of her. Um, but like that type of experience where you're being told what you have to think and you don't think it is great formation, and I do think it's why my husband and I became writers and political and all that. Um, but I don't even know if it's like worth it. Like, I don't know how you guys put up with some of what I hear is happening at school and that you're paying so much for the privilege of like not learning anything of value and having to like fight against bad ideas. Like at some point, I'm just like, why bother? I know you have to do it. You have to get this credential, but like you actually like to get an education at the same time. And then you almost have to like pay for this one form of education. And then you have to make sure you actually you actually have to read the books that you're not getting assigned in class and listen to people who are not being spoken about. It just seems like a difficult task. But enjoy it, you know, that's your, that's your life. Yes, ma'am. Um, so, my mom is especially kind of concerned that I'm going into political science because there's not like one particular job that's offered, like my sister went to nursing school, she's becoming a nurse, and so it's financial stability because she knows exactly what she's doing. So how do I, what kind of career advice would you give someone like me who's going into political science so that I can have like a lasting career? Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much if I were your mom about <laughs> it, just because at least political science gives you pretty well-rounded stuff. If you can write, you can work in any field, so I would focus on learning how to write, making sure you're just taking advantage of any writing assignment to really push yourself. And uh, it is not a good statement on our society that there are actually a ton of political science working jobs, or if you're doing grad school, it's a good way to go to grad school. I actually think it would be better if we had fewer people you know, studying political science, but I, did, I studied a lot of it too, and I was happy with it. But um, a liberal arts education is going to be different than learning. 
particular trade or particular expertise like your sister has. But that's, you know, there's a lot of good uh, in the right people and in the right certifications. So, um, it's just, it is less stable. Your mom's right about that. But if you have ambition and whatnot, you should be able to, be able to find any number of really good jobs. I think that was the last question. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much for finishing.